All right. Good morning. We're, we're actually talking about a piece of the armor that God's given us that allows us to attack, which is what you want to do after you hear that, that intro. You want to attack. So we're looking at that today. Um, we, we love, in, in America particularly, I'm not sure this is the case in other parts of the world, but we love to spectate. We love to watch stuff. I, I went through the, looked in the sports page this morning, counted up the major league games, checked out their average attendance, about 400,000 people went to major league baseball games yesterday. Uh, I, I would guess over a million people watch college football in the stadiums with millions more watching on TV. Uh, we love to go to concerts. Throngs of people go to concerts. We watch movies. We love to watch stuff. We love to be spectators. We like to be fans where we go watch stuff happening. And if, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, you get the wrong idea about what it means to live the Christian life because we get together every week and you watch stuff. You know, very few of us are up here playing instruments or, you know, I'm, I'm usually one up here talking. And you get together and you, you watch. And if you're not careful, you get the wrong idea about what it means to follow Christ. But when you decide to follow Christ, you become a part of the action. You aren't a spectator anymore. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We, we are all in the battle zone. And so that means we can't choose a spectator's attitude toward what's going on in our lives, toward the things that we're dealing with. In this series, we've been looking at how we have an enemy who is trying to take us down. That's his goal. We, we must learn, a spiritual enemy, we must learn to stand our ground and not get pushed back. The real nature of our struggles, the, the, the danger, the real danger in our struggles they come from all anger, angles, um, physical ailments, emotional struggles, whatever. The real danger is the spiritual dimension behind them, and that's caused by the enemy. So we need to be alert to the devil's schemes, and that's what we've been talking about. Listen to First Peter 5. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We're all going through the same kind of sufferings. And so we, we need to connect, and we need to understand what the Scripture says, and realize that since we're all going through the same kind of sufferings, we can identify patterns to those sufferings, to the schemes that the enemy uses in our lives. So far, we've looked at five schemes of Satan and the armor that God's given us to protect against them. First of all, he wants to confuse us. He, he lies to our minds. Those, the, the intro has all those things that tend to go through our minds, those, those phrases or those thoughts and emotions. So he lies to our minds and our emotions. And God's given us the belt of truth to tighten up on the truth to protect us against these things. The enemy wants to accuse us. So he is constantly reminding us of our failures. He brings accusations against us. And our protection is not our own righteousness. Our protection is the breastplate of righteousness, but it's Jesus' righteousness. It's what he has done. Because the, the core message of Christianity is we have 
been unrighteous. We have rebelled against God. But on the cross, Jesus Christ paid for our rebellion. He paid for our sin. And since he was the perfect one, the one who was righteous and died for our sins, God allows that to be transferred to us so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see you and I. He, he sees us through the righteousness of Christ. If you've committed your life to Christ, that's the case. When you, when you come to Christ, he begins to look through the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see you alone, so we can wear that. We need to remember that and wear that. The enemy wants to divide us. So he introduces thoughts and feelings to try to separate us from God and to separate us from others. Try to separate us from the body of Christ and others. So he's given us the shoes of the gospel of peace. Shoes, they, they help you move faster towards something. In the Bible, we're told to move toward peace. It's the gospel of peace. It's the gospel that brings peace between ourselves and God, between others and God, and between one another. So we, we put these shoes on and we explain the gospel to help people connect to God, and we extend forgiveness to others. And that, that helps us deal with this division that the enemy wants to bring. He wants to discourage us. The enemy does. So he shoots flaming arrows of thoughts that are tied to our circumstances when we're under pressure, and he's trying to take us down with these thoughts. So we use the shield of faith. God is good, and he will not rip me off. That's the shield. I can trust him. And then he wants us to quit. We looked at this last week. So he, he tries to get us to forget the hope that we have in him. He wants us to forget about salvation and about the God who has the power to save right here in the here and now, right, right now, and then on into the future. We looked last week at how the future is ours, no matter how bad it looks, as we choose to follow God. He, he will bring the help and the hope. He is the hope that we have. So the helmet of salvation is the helmet of hope. That's the piece of the armor. Today we're going to look at a final set of schemes that Satan uses to take us down. And then the pieces of armor that God has provided to help us win the victory. One of the devil's goals is to silence us. When we get a glimpse of the battle between God and Satan that's playing out in history when we're in the battle ourselves, we must do more than choose a side and then cheer them on or, or root them on in our hearts. The weapon God has provided is he's given us our voice to use against the attacks of the enemy. Now, you may be shocked by this because you, you don't feel like you have much of a voice. You know, you've tried to get your kids to listen, and they, you know, they're not paying attention all the time. You try to win an argument with your husband or wife, and you don't do well there. You, you, try, to, you try to get your friends to understand what you're talking about or understand you and what you're going through. They don't seem to click. Even your dog won't listen to your voice sometimes. I mean, you're, you're, you, this, this may surprise you that your voice is the key to, to winning the battle. The way you find as you dig into Scripture is it's not, um, it's not your words that make the difference. It's the power of God's word and the power of speaking words to God that allow you to win the victory. Satan knows 
that if we learn God's word and use it against him, he doesn't have a chance. And so he tries to silence us in the sense of speaking the words of God. He also knows that if we're alert and we pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, that the battle will turn against him. Your voice is powerful as you speak those kinds of things. Not your own words, but God's words and words to God. In Ephesians, first thing we learn is that it's not the sound of your voice, but what you say with it that matters. God's word is the weapon that helps us gain ground under attack. Ephesians 6.17 Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon in the armor that is listed by Paul. This is how we make progress. Not just stand our ground, but this is how we move forward. It's with the sword of the Spirit, with the Word of God. An ancient soldier would never dream of going to battle without a sword tucked in their sheath. They, they would never think about it because this is the way that you take ground and accomplish the objective in the battle by moving forward toward the objective. So we should never try to live life. If you're a follower of Christ, You should never try to live life without a pattern of learning and memorizing God's Word. Getting it into you, who you are, letting it change the way you think. I read this in a commentary this week. The better you know the Word of God, the easier it will be for you to detect Satan's lies and reject his offers. That that is very true. There is power in speaking God's Word. Isaiah 55:11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to, to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. This is God speaking through one of his prophets. These are the words of God. So one of the reasons, one of the purposes he's given us his word is so that we can use it as a weapon in our daily struggles and hassles and battles. That's one of the purposes. And it, when it doesn't return empty. When you use God's word for the purpose that he's given it, it accomplishes the objective. That's, that's the sword of the spirit. The, the, the words of the Bible are the only thing God helped, has given us to attack the enemy. His word is powerful because it's eternal. There, because... First of all, it's powerful because it comes from God, the one who made us, the the ruler of the universe. And you get into Scripture and you find out the Word of God is eternal. So there's this, this extra power to these words because they are going to stand forever. Everything else in our, in our world, except for people, is going to fade. The flower is going to fade. The creation is going to fade. But... but The Word of God stands forever. All of the weapons and the schemes of the devil, they're temporary. The accusations won't stand. The flaming arrows are going to burn out. The division won't last because in the final day, God is going to bring us all together in unity to worship him. So he has temporary weapons. Satan himself is living on borrowed time. If you try to fight him, however, with your own words... 
you will go down. You will go down in defeat. Your good or positive thoughts or your own reasoning is not enough to win the battle. We have to use the words of God. That's one of the purposes for God's word is to use it as a weapon in our daily struggles and battles. Jesus showed us how to do this. He showed us how to use the word, the sword of the spirit. In Matthew 4, we have this ability through the scripture to go back and learn some things from Jesus' life in the gospels. And and in Matthew 4, there's a description of the temptation experience that Jesus went through. He was taken by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And we watch him battle. And as we watch him battle, we learn how to battle ourselves. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Boy, I would imagine. <laughs> I fasted, but never for 40 days and 40 nights. But he was hungry. And uh, he, he faced three temptations. The first one had to do with, I think, the enemy. Well, what the enemy did is he said, um, you know, Jesus, you're hungry. Turn these stones. Since you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus answered with Deuteronomy 8, a verse from Deuteronomy 8, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he showed us. He had three temptations. I've skipped to the last temptation here in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He quoted Deuteronomy 6.13. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. When, when Jesus was tempted with pride here in this instance, he quoted a verse. He, he used the sword of the Spirit. He spoke the words of God to battle the enemy. He did that three times. Deuteronomy 8. He quoted two verses from Deuteronomy 8 to battle the first few, two temptations, and then this one that we've just looked at. He, he countered them the same way that we should counter them. An ability, this is a, another quote from a comment, commentary, an, an ability to quote this on proper occasions, the Bible, and especially in times of temptation and trial, has a wonderful tendency to cut in pieces the snares of the adversary. I like the way he put that, Adam Clark. It has a wonderful tendency to cut into pieces the snares of the adversary. It's exactly what happens when we learn the Word of God and we use it the way God intended to battle the ballast raging in our minds and our emotions. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us as we watch his example in Matthew 4. The words that are in the Bible don't have any magical power. But the power comes because of who spoke them, God himself, And the power comes when they're spoken in faith by someone who's trusting God and by someone who is building their lives on them and believes that they are true. That's where the power comes. Here's some suggestions for using the sword in different instances. And I I can share uh, just from my own life some of the ways that I've used it. I caught myself, we were in the middle of some really heavy ministry times where I was being stretched by a particular matter I was dealing with, and I, I realized I'm dreading this. Have you ever dreaded anything? 
you know, you dread, you dread a project at work or you dread a conversation that you need to have with someone or you dread just, a, just any kind of task. You just dread it. But this is, this is the kind of dread that overcame me to the point where my mind kept drifting to it. And I kept thinking, I'm, I'm not sure I can do this. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm enough. And one day in my Bible reading, I was reading along, and I read, uh, it was either my Bible reading or Scripture memory review, I'm not quite sure, but Joshua 1.9 came to mind, and, and, or I read it. And it says, um, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, be not frightened, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I looked up that word frightened. I thought, I wonder what that word frightened means. The word frightened means dread. Have I not commanded you, do not dread. So I was wrong to allow my, myself to dread what I was dealing with. Now, where's the hope in that passage? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So as I began, as my mind started to drift to that thing that I had to do that I really didn't want to do, you know, sometimes you feel attacked by life. You're like, oh, I don't want to deal with this right now. I don't want to make the decision. I, I dread this. As my mind drifted toward that, I began to say, God, you are going to be there when I need to deal with this, and you're going to help me. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's going to be there to help. And so I refuse dread. And you just have to keep swinging the sword every time. It's The sword of an ancient soldier was like a dagger because it was used in close-in, hand-to-hand combat. And that's the battle. That's the nature of the struggle. It's close-in. It's in, it's in ourselves, and we, we have to have these short verses memorized. That's what I do. I memorize short verses to battle this. And so now when I dread something, I, I remember, try to remember... And that's what God's trying to do. Get me to remember to turn my focus to him, to set my hope on him, to swing the sword. Say, God, you're going to be there with me. Be not frightened, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's, that's how you use the sword. If you're struggling with anxiety, you know, just say, God, whatever happens, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm not quite sure. But I can trust you. You will not rip me off. Put up the shield of faith we talked about. God, you, you're good. You will not rip me off. Psalm 55:22. cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be forsaken. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares. He cares about you. You, you give it to him. That's the sword. Swing it. Swing it. If you're feeling condemnation from accusing thoughts, Lord, I trust what you've done. You know, I've blown it. Yeah, that's right. But the Bible says if you've blown it, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, that's the truth. Swing that sword. I, I trust you, not my righteousness. That's why I need you. <laughs> I need your righteousness. I need what you've done. So if you're feeling that, Lord, I trust what you've done. I know I'm forgiven. I'm not going to listen to that. If you're struggling with doubt, Isaiah 26, 3 is a good passage. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed 
on you. It's focused on you. You notice when, when I was dealing with dread, my mind drifted to the, the thing I dreaded. But it stayed. The right, the right deal is to, to focus it, to stay your mind, to keep your mind on God and what he can do and how he can help. Isaiah 26.3. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I have this gloom that comes over me. Maybe, maybe you're not like that. Maybe you're a more optimistic person. Uh, but I get up and I'm sort of like Eeyore. Oh, it's all going to go bad today. You know, <laughs> it's a bad imitation, but you get the idea. Um, but I get up in the morning, I feel like that, and I, I, I've learned, God, I'm, I'm just going to reject that set of emotions. Would you help me? Would you help me not buy into that? Because you intend this day to be good to me. In this day, you're gonna, whatever happens, you're going you're gonna to use it for good. So I want to trust you. I don't want to. I don't want to struggle through that. So God, would you help me? Psalm forty-two, five. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed, disturbed within me? Psalmist starts talking to himself. Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. Notice where the hope is. It's in God, His Word, not our words, not our power, not our strength. We need to help. Hope in God. We trust Him. Put your hope in the right place. God will not rip you off. He, he will be there to walk through you with it. God wants us to swing the sword to counter the schemes of the enemy. Use our voice to speak the words of God. There is power in speaking words to God. And prayer is the way to tap into the power of God in our lives as well. Speaking words to God. So we speak the word of God, there's power. And we speak words to God. And there's power. Ephesians 6, 18. It says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. What he means by that, all kinds of prayers and requests, he means just short prayers, regular prayers, public prayers, private prayers, when we normally pray, when we don't, uh, in the moment of need, and the family as we work, on our way to work, on our way to wherever, when we're tempted. Every... All kinds of prayers. God, God is with us wherever we go. He's present as we live our lives. And so we can turn our hearts and minds to him and ask for help and focus our thoughts on him and trusting him. With this in mind, the passage says, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. We're under attack. And prayer is the purest expression of our dependence on God. This is the way that we express our dependence on God, not us. If we, if we try to fight in our own power, we're going down. We're going to be defeated. We have to trust God and his strength. We cannot fight spiritual battles in our own strength. If we try, we're done. We must rely on him or go down in defeat. Jesus taught us in another way. We saw his example uh, earlier, but he also taught us that prayer is a preemptive weapon against attack by the enemy. Matthew 6.13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, is a phrase from the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And what he was doing in that, that was like a, a template for prayer. 
that he gave us. Each phrase is power-packed, and each phrase deals with a different aspect of prayer. It starts with worship, goes on to um, uh, getting forgiveness, then it goes to praying for our needs, and it wraps up toward the end with praying against attack spiritually, asking for deliverance from the evil one. This is how he taught his disciples to pray, and therefore he taught us to pray this way. He, he had faced, Jesus had faced the same kind of battles that we struggle with, that we fight through. And he taught us to pray against them on a regular basis. As we pray, we, we pray against this because our adversary is the added dimension to every struggle that we deal with. In this phrase, temptation, lead us not into temptation, Temptation means a putting to proof. Literally, it means putting something to proof or testing it. Like you test steel, you test things. It's from a root that means to pierce through with a spear or a spit. You know, so what, what the enemy wants to do is run us through and roast us like a chicken. That's what the, that's, that's the testing. And we pray against that. What we're doing is we're praying against temptation and trouble and anything that's going to hurt us and destroy us and damage our faith in God. It refers to testing of our character of any kind. You know, we humans, we have our ways of outsmarting insects. Um, we, we have an ant problem in our house. I think Diamond Bar is built on an ant hill. And we've got ants. They're frustrating. They drive you crazy. You know, they get into food. You leave out the food. It's done. It's got ants all over it. And then you just, you go crazy. Well, I tried another line of attack I hadn't tried in a while. I got, got, the, got the tip from a friend that he uses ant bait. And it's just, you know, you just stick out these little ant baits. You open them up, and the ants crawl in, and they eat the bait. And then they go back to the mound and share the wealth, and they're all done. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> we have our ways that we try to outsmart these insects. At first service, I had a fly, uh, you know, just right here, driving me crazy. Pest is a great word for these things. <laughs> it's just right here, right here. If I had one of those wands, you know, it would have been great. Just <laughs> zap the fly. <laughs> it blow the fly up. It would be fantastic. We, we have these ways of outsmarting insects. And, you know, we get proud of ourselves, don't we, <laughs> when we do that. But this is how Satan is with us. He has his ways of outsmarting us. He's very subtle, very, very subtle. And you, you can end up in, tied up in a knot before you know it because he is just sneaking in there. He lured Adam and Eve into rebellion against God, the first man and woman. He lured them into rebellion against God by promising them a better life apart from God than with God, without having to rely on him. And what happened? They were lured in. Zap! We've all paid a price for their decision, and we've all validated there. We've put our stamp of approval on the thing they decided. Yeah, I'm going to try to live life without God. The enemy is subtle. That sin brought spiritual death and all kinds of problems into our lives. Satan intends to damage us 
to hurt us, to destroy us through the temptation and the trouble, while God will use it to, to strengthen us and build us up, if we'll turn to him. But we have to turn to him. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. Pray against it. Pray against temptation that's going to destroy us. Another thing to guard against is bitterness that will silence us before God. We need to get rid of that. If, if bitterness, this is one of the ways that the enemy starts to weave his way into our hearts. He, it starts with, you know, hurt or disappointment. Somebody did something that we didn't understand and it hurt us. We're disappointed in them. It starts building toward resentment and turns into full-blown bitterness. And we have to guard against this. I, I know people who are mad at God and have been mad at God for years. They're in a full-on spiritual pout toward God. And when you get in that spot, there's some really hard things that people have to work through. When you get in that spot, you're silence before God. You're silent. You, you don't speak to God. You don't talk to God. There's a wall. This is what the enemy wants. He's trying to separate you from the God who loves you. And so he uses these things to... To drive a wedge. He, he doesn't want us to pray. He doesn't want us to relate to God or depend on God. Prayer is a powerful thing. And, and here is what happens. You can see in Psalm 73 what happens when we get embittered. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. I've never heard a brute beast say a word. That, that's what the psalmist is saying. I was silent before you. I was dumb. I was like a dumb animal who didn't say a word because I'd become embittered. In Psalm 73, he's listing his grievances against God. He's complaining and grumbling against God. Don't stay mad at God. If you're angry with him, that's honest. That happens. We don't understand why things happen in our lives, what's going on, exactly how it is. But what the enemy wants to do is raise your expectations beyond a realistic level and then dash your hopes and leave you in a state where you're angry, you're mad at God. Work through it. Watch out for that. If you're pouting before God or if you're angry with God, you're only hurting yourself and the people connected to you. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time, but work through it. Get into the Scripture. Allow God to speak to you. Don't disconnect from them. Find people who can help you think it through and, and unweave the knot that you're tied up in by the thing that's happened. Don't go silent. That's what the enemy is trying to do. In a few moments, we're going to receive our offering and I, I'd like to say thank you for your generosity. That's how we do what we do here at Church in the Valley. But I'd also like to give you some suggestions on next steps that you can take as a result of the message. We always try to look at ways that we can apply the message because that's, that's how our understanding grows. We get into the Word, we do it, and then we understand it, and we're blessed by it, and we want to do more. Uh, here are some next steps. My next step today could be to memorize Matthew 6.13, just to remind yourself to pray against temptation and, and for deliverance against the evil one. I, I pray regularly 
for the people around me, for the, my stewardships, that God would, would protect us uh, spiritually. And he wants us all to do that. And then another step could be to pick a time and place to pray daily. You just, okay, God, I'm going to spend five minutes right here, right now, praying. Pouring out my anxiety before you. Talking about what's going on in the day and praying about my concerns. Praying for others. The third step could be to find a verse to use as a sword against a specific attack. Maybe you're dealing with some kind of fear or anxiety or some kind of struggle in your mind or emotions. Find a verse, a sword that you can use as a sword to, to attack, to gain ground in that. You, you'll be amazed. There, there is power in the Word of God. If you don't know of a, of a verse for what you're going through, find somebody who's in the Word on a regular basis who can help you with that. And then finally, let go of some bitterness that you're struggling with before God. That could be another step. It may take time, but don't quit. Keep working it through. Keep going to God. He, he in His time, he's, he's actually using the struggle... Right now that you're going through, he wants to use it for your good. He's trying to get to the core of your being to help you understand more about him, to help you understand some things that need to change. He's wanting to use it. But you need perspective. You need God's perspective that you find in his word in order to deal with it. So don't give up. Let go of it. Intend to let go of it as soon as you can and work through it before God. Would you pray with me as we wrap up, as the band comes up? Father, we, we bow to honor you because you have given us victory, Lord God. You have won the victory through Jesus Christ on the cross. I thank you for the power that you've provided in your word. My prayer is that, that God, those of us who are following you, that we would learn to fight. Those of us who are yet not convinced, um, May you work in their hearts to bring them to you because there's so much blessing and benefit in walking with you. There's so much power in talking to you and in speaking your word in situations, God. We, we pray for your help and your strength to take these next steps that you've laid on our heart. These are others. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.